All right, guys. Thank you for joining the, the call. One moment. Hello, everyone, and good morning. Welcome to the Alpha Talk Power Call. This is a weekly call to connect, inspire, and empower you to pursue a life of greatness. I am your hostess, Ashley Talaferro, and today's topic is the wisdom of God. Hashtag confounded. I present to you your speaker, Hakeem Talaferro. Thank you. Thank you, lady, lady, lady. Yes, good morning, guys. Um, I, I thank you all for joining. Uh, I believe that this message today is really going to give us some insight into what God is looking for us to pick up when we read his word and also when we hear his word. I really believe it's going to bless someone today. It's going to answer a lot of questions. I'm going to really be reading mostly out of the word today. And as the Holy Spirit directs me, I will be um, basically giving some insight into the text that we read. Uh, Before I start this message, I'm going to give someone an opportunity. I feel like there's someone in this call that may need prayer. Um, uh, Or there's someone that you know that needs prayer. So if anyone has uh, someone that they wanted to lift up in prayer, let's, let's do it now. All right, I'm just going to open up the prayer. Father God, I just want to thank you for allowing the people that you have allowed to join this call. I thank you for connecting them, Father God. Lord, I'm asking that you will continue to let us not only read your word, but to apply it into our life. Lord, we know that we have not been given a spirit of fear and timidity, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Lord, I'm asking that you will encourage the person who needs to hear what you have to say today. Let your word go forth. Lord, I am only a vessel, and all the ones who are listening, these are your people, Lord. I'm asking that you will speak the word to them so that they will be encouraged and understand what they, the next thing they need to do or what you're looking for them to do in this season. Only they, they, they know, they know. I'm asking that you will heal any pain. Whoever is on this line who's going through something, Lord, we speak to that right now and we tell that pain to go. Whatever that hurt is, we tell it to go. Lord, I'm asking that you will renew our minds and give us a desire to have an awakened heart. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you, guys. I'm, I'm, I'm really happy you were able to join. So um, before we go into the message, I'm going to ask if because uh, everyone mute their lines just to make sure that we have a clear connection and everybody's able to receive this word. Amen. Amen. All right. So with that being said, we're going to be coming out of First Corinthians, First Corinthians chapter one, verse seventeen. So what I'm going to do, this is how I'm going to do this today. I'm going to be reading mostly from scripture. The first scripture I'm going to read is actually from the message translation. The the reason I'm reading it from the the message translation is because um, I feel like it has like a kind of like a powerful boom effect. It's really going to hit the spirit. Once I finish reading 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 17 in the message version, I'm going to go over to the New King James Version. And as the Holy Spirit directs out, instruct on what he's saying. All right. 
God didn't send me out to collect a following for myself, but to preach the message of what he has done, collecting a following for him. And he didn't send me to do it with a lot of fam- fancy rhetoric of my own, lest the powerful action at the center, Christ on the cross, be trivialized into mere words. That is written in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 17 in the message version. Now, um, this message today is titled The Wisdom of God. And the reason I really chose this message is because I feel like there's a lot of focus today on the pursuit of knowledge, the pursuit of higher education. There's a, uh, there's a real focus on academia. Now, while I am definitely, I am definitely an advocate for education and for pursuing uh, higher knowledge, I believe that the world today has trivialized the spirit of God rather than having appreciation and fear of it. So this message today, I believe, is really going to give us some perspective on what it means to have um, what what it means to have wisdom, and what it is to and to be able to discern between the wisdom of this world, which is secular, versus the wisdom of God, which comes from heaven. So you have wisdom that comes from below, which is earth, and you have wisdom that comes from above, which is wisdom from heaven. And we have to be able to discern between the two in order to really live an effective life here on earth as ambassadors of heaven. So with that being said, I'm going to go now to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 17, in the King James Version. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. Pause. Now, when I say pause, I'm going to be opening up, um, you know, going into a message. So a lot of us, um, a lot of speakers today are focused on their message. So their message, let's say you have these, you have prosperity teachers, you have people who preach on um, isolated topics like forgiveness and success, a lot of isolated things. But the difference between a worldly teacher, someone who's teaching on what we call secular knowledge, is when a person sent by God who is preaching the cross their focus is on Christ. It's not focused on their own knowledge, what they've obtained, their studies, their knowledge. It's focused on the cross and the purpose of Christ coming to the earth. So even as I'm speaking today, this is a focus on the cross. This is a focus on the cross. This is a focus on what Jesus did for us and continues to do for us. And I I think the message that is being misunderstood nowadays is that a lot of us focused on, we focus on the resurrection of Christ, but we look at it as he died and resurrected and like that's a done work. Yes, that's a done work, but he's still working. He still is in heaven interceding. So every time you have someone who is inspired by the spirit of God to preach of him, the work is still being completed. They are giving their testimony. Testimonies are active. They are not past tense. They are present and future tense. So when you have someone who is sent by God to preach the cross, it is present and it is future. 
it is still happening. We are still awaiting something. Now I'm going to go, going to go back into the text. First Corinthians chapter one, now we're at verse 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Pause. Now, I'll be honest, I'm going to share a quick testimony of my own personal experience. Prior to me coming to Christ, I was more so into the New Age philosophies, where it was a lot of focus on self-righteousness and self-direction, a lot of self 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 they had me thinking that in order to reach this what they call higher level of thinking or to really have an enlightened mind it was a focus on educating on um, ways to control your thinking how to direct thoughts how to control your emotions how to be able to, tra- what they, the term they use is transmutation, how to be able to transmute negative energy into positive energy. It was a lot of self-directed actions. Now, the difference between the New Age philosophy and the true, the cross of Christ is that there's a focus, and the cross of Christ, there's a focus on what God has done. On the focus on the New Age philosophy, it's a focus on what you can do and what you can become. It's, it has nothing to do with God. So when I was hearing about the cross, to me back then, I, like, I felt like in my heart, I always had a respect for it personally, but I didn't really understand how it worked. I didn't understand what God did for us, and I, I didn't really have true reverence for the work that was done because I didn't understand it. I didn't understand how could someone dying be a blessing to me. You know, I, I just didn't understand it. And I didn't understand the power. There's a power that Christ allowed us to receive when he, when he um, died and resurrected. So because I didn't understand that, I didn't have appreciation for it. It took for me to go through some experiences as well as receive certain teaching to really understand what the power of the cross really is going back into the text for it is written i will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent where is the wise where is the scribe where is the disputer of this age has not god made foolish the wisdom of this world for since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. Pause. Repeat. In the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. So let's talk about that. So a lot of, throughout history, we have had a lot of philosophers and what we call brilliant thinkers who have had their own concepts and ideologies of a blessed life what it means to live a life that's abundantly touched by God. They have their own perspectives. Even the disciples themselves, they walked with Jesus. And prior to his um, resurrection, their philosophy of a blessed life was based on still materialism. While they they were seeking God, they still, based on that time and a way of thought, a blessed life was truly symbolized and was thought to be symbolized by the amount of material possessions that you had. So, you know, when we're going into this text right here, a lot of 
knowledge has been so focused on what it means to live a blessed life. What is a blessed life? And that's been a dispute through the ages. What really is a blessed life? Is there life after death? These have been the questions. But when you have someone who is focused on studying other philosophers and getting all these different philosophies and all these different ideologies, something is going to get mixed up. Because if you're, let's say, for example, a person is studying, let's say, Socrates, and then you have another person who's studying Plato, then you have someone who else is studying the teachings of Hannibal. It's a lot of different information, and the problem with all this different information is because it's not coming from one source. And if it's not coming from one source, then that means that it can be tainted. So it's scattered information, a bunch of ideas and concepts. Now, when we go to the Word of God, the Word of God is inspired by God. Everything in the Bible has been constructed by the Spirit of God. Every word, every I that's dotted, every T that's crossed, it was inspired by the Word of God, by the mouth of God. Jesus wrote the Word of God. So when we preach the cross, we are not preaching a philosophy. We are not preaching a concept. This is not an ideology. This is truth. And truth is a person. A lot of philosophers and the great brilliant thinkers have made truth out to be information that you pursue and that you can acquire through study. But through understanding who Christ is, you understand that truth is a person. Truth has been personified in the presence of Jesus Christ. He is the Word, and He will always be the Word. And the Word is written. Whenever we read the Word, we are experiencing Jesus, Lord. We are experiencing Jesus every time we read the Word. So, of course, the wisdom of this world is going to be put to nothing because it's being placed against the truth and the truth is Jesus going back to the text the world through wisdom did not know God it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to those I'm sorry to preach to save those who believe for Jews request a sign and Greeks seek after wisdom all right I'm gonna keep that I want to repeat that because I'm going to open up on that a little bit, not too much. For Jews request a sign, and Greeks seek after wisdom. All right, pause. In this day and age, you have two types of you have two types of believers. So you have Jews, and you have the Gentiles. So a Jew, you know, modern sense, a Jewish person would be, let's say, someone that's born into the they, they know they're knowing of God and they know of His ways and they know they know they're already a Christian, for example. So we will place them into the Jewish category because they were born knowing the truth. Then you have Gentiles who were born into darkness. So they didn't, they were born not knowing the truth. So someone who is raised from youth, knowing the truth, they fall into the category of Jew, of Jew. Person who is not born into the truth, who learned the truth later on and became a follower of Christ, later on they fall into the Gentile category because they didn't know God before. And I will fall into the category of Gentile because I didn't know Christ before my experience. So in this text, it says that Jews request a sign. So you have a lot of believers who have been in Christ for a a long period of time, but because of certain experiences and what they've seen, 
their their faith their faith is looking for evidence and the problem with our faith looking for evidence is that it says according to um, I, I believe it I did a message on this when it talks about faith is the evidence of things not seen no, I'm sorry faith is the substance of things not seen and the evidence of things hoped for Oh, I'm sorry. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and evidence of things not seen. So when we are modern day having a relationship with Christ, it's a faith-based relationship. It's tangible. But the problem is some of us were raised and we didn't have a tangible type of faith. So we're still looking for signs. We're still looking for evidence that Christ is here with us. We, we're reading his word and we're experiencing miracles, but because of certain things, we're still doubting. We're still doubting. And then you have the Greeks category, you have the Greeks category, the Gentiles. They're still looking for knowledge. It's like they're, you know, because they thought academia and the pursuit of wisdom would get them into their own good standing with God. They're continuing to seek wisdom, continuing to seek wisdom. So you have people who even after Christ, they're continuing to seek wisdom. But if they're not applying that stuff into their life, they are still, it's almost as if they're still a godless people. Because it really takes faith to apply wisdom. Whenever you, even as you're hearing this word right now, it takes faith to understand the wisdom of God. It takes faith to apply the wisdom of God because in the word of God, there are some things that we, we would say are counterintuitive. And the reason why some things are counterintuitive is because we have a nature. We have a sin nature. So when you are trying to apply the word of God to something that is anti-Christ, which our flesh has <laughs> been redeemed, but prior to us receiving Christ, our flesh was um, similar to being anti-Christ. When you're applying the word of God to your mind, you're choosing to renew your mind, it's counterintuitive. So it takes faith to continue to believe and apply the word of God to your life. And that's one of the reasons why we have to really embrace the cross we have to really understand what God has done for us we have to understand that he is still working the work at the cross was for that time and it's still for the time and it's still to come we are still experiencing the deliverance and the resurrection of Christ to this day every time that you have a believer or a person who comes to Christ you're experiencing the resurrection I need to repeat that every day that a person dies to their old nature and rises up with Christ, we are again experiencing the resurrection because Christ allowed himself to be placed into the hands of sinful men so that we could experience the life that we were originally, originally created for, which was a life of praise a life of abundance, a life of joy, a life of peace. This is why we were created. But many of us have been discouraged through the times. So now I'm going to go back to the text. So it says, For Jews request a sign, and Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified 
to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. But to those who are called, called basically meaning those who have been called by God to be saved, to receive salvation, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty in the base things of the world and the things which are despised God has chosen and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are pause David just came into my mind Jesus King David from the Old Testament a lot of us are aware that he became king but a lot of us are not aware of the process and what he went through as a child and how he was shamed by his brothers and felt rejected and discouraged and um, he just felt oppressed by his family. When the man of God came into David's house to actually, um, you know, when God sent Saul, I'm sorry, Samuel the prophet, when he sent him to the house of David, David wasn't even in the house. He was out in the fields working, tending to sheep. Mind you, Samuel, the man who God sent and God spoke to he sent him to the he sent him to the house of David but David was not present he was out in the fields working I want you to pay attention to that he was out in the fields working he was tending to sheep but God told Samuel to go to the house and Samuel went there he saw the other brothers that David had and he's looking like okay this must be the one. He's looking externally. He's looking at appearances because the, the brothers, they have a, you know, one of them, they said that Samuel said that he looked like the one. He was handsome. And he was tall. So he looked like the king. And the reason why that Samuel had saw a certain look for the king is because he's going by Saul. You know, they said that Saul was handsome. He was, uh, his hair was a certain way and all these things. Externally, we're talking about what looks wise. Like, I'm catch this point. We're talking about the things that looks that look wise, that look blessed. So Samuel sends, I'm sorry, Samuel is sent to the house of David, and David isn't there. But God told Samuel to go to that house, and then God instructed Samuel that there's, like, there's still, you know, these guys are not the one. And then they finally, the father speaks up and says, I still have my youngest son, David, who was not in the house. He told him that he was out in the fields working. And then Samuel basically says, like, you know, I'm not leaving until he comes here. So basically, long story short, David appears, and then God tells Samuel he is the one. Now, if we look externally at David's appearance, it didn't seem like he would be the king, the future king of Israel, and one of the ones who wrote the Psalms that we read and and many of the... Um, his life is documented throughout the books and we wouldn't be we wouldn't be discouraged but basically David appearance wise appearance wise 
he didn't seem like he would be strong and mighty, but because God knew his heart, God knew who David was, God used David to become the next king of Israel and to be the one who would bless, through his seed would come the future king who is the Messiah, who is Jesus Christ. But appearance-wise, uh, and I want you to look at this, appearance-wise, what the world looks at as attractive, what the world looks at as blessed has nothing to do with what God says is blessed. When God says that you're the one, when God says that I love him, when God says that I have chosen him, there is nothing that the world can do to contradict that. There is nothing that the world can do to contradict someone who has who God has chosen. So I know some of us on this call feel as though we have been rejected, that we've been placed aside, that we've been overlooked, that we've been ridiculed, that we have been misjudged. I want to tell you today, on today, that God is still using you. God is still using you, and you are a living testimony of the resurrection of Christ. The resurrection of Christ. You are living in the power of the resurrection of Christ. And even though you may feel as though your life doesn't have significance, you feel as though this happened to me. I made this mistake against God. This person left me. This person decided to stop hearing me. This person decided, you know, these things happened to me. I want you to know that God still is using you. He still is using you. The things which the world considers wise, God has put to shame. The wisdom of God rules over the wisdom of this world. The funny thing about Jesus is that when he came to this world, he used the things that he created to explain his creation. the things that he created. An example, he talked about the lilies of the field. He talked about the sparrows. He talked about the things that he created to explain his creation, to give you moral principles, to give you understanding of the way things happen in heaven. Even going back to the Old Testament, the reason why God instructed Moses to build the tabernacle in a certain manner was because it was a mirror image. It was representative of the tabernacle in heaven. And this is the reason why we need to understand that the Old Testament was still written by Jesus. All these things are connected. All these things are connected. One of the funny things is that the wisdom of God is not something you can just read and understand right away. You have to apply it. to. You have to test it. It's something that you have to personally experience. Like, for example, one of the principles... I'll begin to end of the call. One of the principles that I personally have read and decided to test was it says that um, the heart of the king, the heart of the king is in the hands of the Lord and is a river which the Lord soever turneth. That scripture basically means that's actually in Proverbs. That's a moral principle. That's a principle that comes from heaven. It's wisdom of God. So it says that the heart of the king is in the hands of the Lord. What does that mean? That means that whoever the certain person of influence is over a territory, it could be your job. It could be in a certain um, area of, of business. Say, for example, let's say it could be an entertainment business. 
whoever the person of influence is, it is a promise. It says that the heart of the king is in the hands of the Lord. So that means that you as a believer, favored by God, chosen by God, if God chooses to place you into a certain position, he has made you attractive to kings. He has shifted the heart of the kings towards you. Because the Lord, the Lord is the one who controls the hearts and minds. He's the one who directs them when he wants to. So when you're, when you're studying the wisdom of God, you need to understand that these have to be placed into application. We have a lot of us who are receiving knowledge. We're gaining wisdom. But if you don't test the information, if you don't apply it into your life, you'll never really be able to experience the blessed life that God came to give. The more, the most important thing to know about reading the word is that we want to apply the word into our life. You want to be able to apply it. You know, a lot of us are reading. We are really good at reading our word, but we're not allowing the word to read us. In Hebrews 4.12, it says that the word of God is quick and powerful. So when you're choosing to allow the word to come into your mind, to come into your heart, you're allowing it to judge your heart. And, you know, I want to go back to the main topic, talking about the wisdom of God. When you're reading the word and it seems like something is not related, you need to stop and pause and say, Spirit of God, I know I'm reading this word. I need your wisdom to understand how does this apply to my life right now? How does this word apply to my life right now? Because sometimes things may seem like they're not related, but in actuality, it is related. It could be a future word. It could be a word for tomorrow. It says, give us this day our daily bread. So we need to be able to understand that the word is always working, that Christ is still working. The cross is still working. Isn't it funny that the same tool that was used to deceive us, which was a tree, the tool that the enemy was on he used to deceive us is the same tool that Christ used to redeem us. Isn't that amazing how the same thing that brought death to many is the same thing that brought life to many. The same tool. And I want you to see how God does things. His wisdom confounds the wise. (laughs) I challenge all of us in this call to really pursue his knowledge more and more start to to apply his word to your life you know if make sure that when we're reading the word we want to think how can i apply this word to my life today what does this wisdom say about me how does this word interact with my life at this time and with that being said i'm going to end this call on this note you know there's the, the lord led me to focus on that david part um and you know, kind of took me away from the message just a little bit. But the good thing is that I always have notes for the message online so that you can connect some of these dots. And I encourage all of you to read the notes that we have online. Every time we do a call, we record the call and we also have the notes from the call online and as well as the scriptures used and referenced. So with that being said, I'm going to, um, you want to pray out. Father God, I thank you for allowing your word to go forth. I thank you for encouraging that person that you sent here. Lord, and ask you will use your word to encourage them and let them know that your wisdom supersedes the wisdom of this world. Let them know 
that it is not by might nor by power, but by your spirit that we receive your wisdom, that we receive your love, that we receive your deliverance, that we receive your presence. Lord, I'm asking that you will encourage everyone in this line and let them know that they are not alone, that they are not an orphan, that they are not fatherless, that they have you as the father and the mother for those of them who have lost their parents. Lord, I'm asking that you will touch each and one, every one of their hearts and help them to grow, help them to see how they've grown, help them to see how they learned, and place people around them who encourage them and feed them. In the name of Jesus, amen. Guys, I thank all of you for joining this call. We pray that this message blessed you and that forever you remember that you are Thank you.